This episode of The Devin Kershaw Show is brought to you by Concept2 and the Concept2 Skierg. Concept2 is the designer and manufacturer of the Skierg, a training tool for Nordic skiing and for general fitness. Located in north central Vermont, the Concept2 family rose in summer and skis in winter. The Skierg grew out of the time-tested design of the Concept2 rowing machine. As dedicated skiers, we know this much is true. It's not always easy to get out on the snow in winter, or out on the roller skis, for that matter, in summer. The Skierg is a perfect dry land training option for skiers, or anybody really, looking to improve their fitness. The second generation Skierg allows for single stick and double pulling. Take your skiing and upper body conditioning to a new level with a Skierg. You can find more information about Skiergs and their PM5 performance monitors at concept2.com. All right, we're recording. We're live and recording. I want to try something different this time, okay? Nothing too exciting and crazy. Nothing crazy. But I, you know how I usually do a record? Like here at home, I kind of, I write up a little minute and 30 second intro. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever listened to the. Have you ever listened yeah. to it actually? Yeah, have you yeah, listened yeah. to the no, podcast? I've listened to it. Oh yeah, I've listened to it once in a while, especially with okay. the guests. Like, I mean, I, yeah, it's fun having it's fun having guests on the show. And I'm I'm sorry we like we brought the heat like we really brought the heat early in this World Championships, and then the last couple of days like the people that we wanted to have on have just gotten busy. I think that's just how that's how life works. So so the poor listeners have to hear us banter back and forth, but. Uh, I've definitely gone back and listened to some of the, our guest podcasts before. It's yeah, been fun. Yeah, it has been fun, actually. And I, it's funny for me, I, <laughs> I do, I re-listen, not all the time, but I do uh, re-listen and my kids actually give me a, a bunch of crap for it. Cause I, oh, of course, as they should. As they should, but I like to, I like to kind of play, like the one where I had to bash my way out of the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one though. That was classic. I had to play that for them because they obviously know that the door oh, locks yeah. and all that. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. What happened to the door, Dad? <laughs> but but you know what? So last, actually, speaking of that, and um, I actually went. I surveyed people yesterday. Okay. Patrick Dempsey. Yeah. I was like, who the hell? Does Does anybody know who Patrick Dempsey is? And I got a little. I got a few stares. To be honest. Okay. Um, yeah, I did. One was from my 18-year-old, but then he then he Googled him or went on Instagram. He's like, oh, yeah, that guy? Everybody knows that guy. Okay, he knows that. Yeah, but that's the thing with Patrick Dempsey. Eh? Like, it's like he's known, his face is known, but, you know, he's not George Clooney or he's not, you know, you know he's not at that level. I'm glad you said that. He's not like I'm a worldwide. He's not like a worldwide. He's not like a worldwide, like, he is a Hollywood star, no question. But he's not just like, he's not Brad Pitt. He's not George Clooney. You know what I mean? That everybody in the world knows. You know what I mean? Yeah. he's. I mean, George, right. See, that that was my impression yesterday. I was like, he kind of is a little bit George Clooney-esque. A little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Same but demographic. But that's good to know because I thought, God, I'm, I'm totally clueless. But I'm going to, here's a little bit of a segue because I want to, re- I got a couple things to just sort of, um, errands podcast errands here i want to get through before we get to the 30k and because the 30k i'm not sure you know we'll talk about some things but like kind of a tidy race for the most for the most part in my perspective yeah but it was really exciting even though it was tidy okay we'll get there so i wanted to do i wanted two things one thing I, i got an email yesterday from chris freeman who was our guest uh a few days gosh uh for the 15k which I think was Wednesday, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So, which I really enjoyed, and I think he enjoyed it as well. But oh, he, me too. I loved having Chris on. Me too. Yeah, it was it was quite good. And he he listened to maybe yesterday or the day before listened to the Zach Caldwell podcast, and Zach was his longtime coach. And whatever episode it was, where I read the email about Zach being the Hannibal Lecter of ski waxing, that was recently. Remember that? <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that was recently. Yeah. So I think maybe this does sort of tangentially relate to um, Patrick Dempsey and the fact that, like, clearly my cultural my cultural capital when it comes to sort of I wouldn't call Dempsey a pop star, but he's sort of in my subcategory. He's kind of in that genre. He's like famous for a TV show. Yeah, 
he's a network television famous actor. Yeah. So kind of He's done some movies too. He has he's he's done movies as he's well. Out but of like my that loop. he's known for a, he, he's yeah, and he's he's known for for network TV, a network TV drama. I mean, I know people like who Kelly Cordes is, really badass alpinist. Anybody know Kelly Cordes? I think Kelly Cordes. I know Kelly Cordes. When you say that you were like buddies with Kelly Cordes, I, he like, makes the, I get starstruck from over here in Norway because Kelly Cordes is like, yeah. he's the man. Yeah, right. He's the straight up he's man. He's sort of like my Patrick Dempsey and he makes one of the meanest margaritas in the Northern Hemisphere. True story. Yeah, you've said that. I got to get over no, you there. Do. Come on, COVID. You yeah, do. Stop this. Or he goes, <laughs> he has been to Norway before, but- Obviously not since I'll, I'll keep you in the loop on that. Okay. So yeah, but if he comes to Norway, he's not going to go with a two bit hack. Like, no, he would. He trust me. He's fun. He's, like, he's fun. All right. You want to smash like a five, seven Alpine route. Awesome. <laughs> I guess it's very clear that my cultural capital is lacking. And so when I, I decided to read that email, you know, I was yeah. like, okay, yeah. Hannibal Lecter. I know I'm, I'm certain I watched that movie with Jodie Foster in it. And, uh, the famous An- the guy Anthony Hopkins, Anthony Silence Hopkins. of the Lambs. Yeah, Silence of the Lambs, right? And it's been probably twenty, at least twenty years since at I've least. seen it. I think more, yeah. So, and again, I'm one of these people who like I do not like scary things, and I I literally like cover my eyes. I don't do scary flicks, and Neither still do I, to this dude. day, not my yeah, thing. I'm no, I'm no horror man. No, no, for sure, me either. So. When I read that, I was like, oh, yeah, Hannibal Lecter, he's a bad guy. But I think that there's a lot of negative, like real hardcore negative connotations associated with the character. <laughs> well, and he so- does eat people. <laughs> <laughs> there's that. <laughs> right, there's that. Okay. Sorry, people, that. But I just, I want to, I want to read. Yeah, this, so there is that. Okay. At its core, there's that. And that's obviously as depraved as it gets. <laughs> so I want to read. Um, I want to read Chris's email because I think he he does a really good job sort of clarifying sort of Zach yeah. and who Zach really is. And 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 again, I, I the person who emailed us about the Hannibal Lecter comment, I think was not trying to be mean-spirited whatsoever. I don't think. Okay, here it goes. I heard you read the woman's email calling Zach the Hannibal Lecter of skewaxing. While this is funny and, and not at all offensive to Zach, I don't think the comparison fits. Hannibal was conniving and spoke in riddles. Hmm. He was always, yeah, things I had forgotten about. He was always trying to extract information from those around him while providing the bare minimum of direction and detail in exchange. Zach, on the other hand, is an open book that uses very scientific approaches to taking the mystery out of race ski preparation. His encyclopedic knowledge and explanations can be so boring that they can. They, I would I, I would disagree with that. But that they can seem bewildering, but there is no attempt to hide anything from anyone. Zach is actually brutal in his honesty. On my ski yesterday, I tried to think of a movie villain that fit Zach, and I came up with quote number two from Austin Powers. What, what, I don't know what that is. He's the guy in the background that understands that to take over the world, you have to be adaptive to a changing world. He's capable of mapping out an educated plan to amass all of the wealth in the world and therefore all of the power. Unfortunately, none of his ideas get implemented because the man in charge, Dr. Evil, (laughs) likes to do things the same way over and over, regardless of whether or not the plan works. Chris. Amazing. Yeah. This is amazing. Well written. Yeah. Great assessment. I love it. I do too. I, I actually thought it was it was good. Like, I've I don't think I've ever really been around Zach when he's like hammering away waxing, and I, I don't I don't think he's one of those wax techs like he's at a club race or something and tapes over the labels so that the competing clubs can't see you know the extra blue or whatever you're putting on for kids. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So. Okay. Oh, but you know what? But that, that but I will say what I think is funny like what when Chris says that he really dives into the details and gets excited and goes off about them. That's what kind of like pulls like the Chris Freeman, Noah Hoffman together. They love the details. They love it. So so it, it's always been funny to hear them like they definitely they definitely don't mind digging right in. It's awesome. Okay, well here okay, this is going to be my horribly crude segue into the 30k but let's like use Hoffman as a represent uh, as a an example and you would know better than I know but I recall him saying something at one at one point something like yeah 
I just happened to be good at cross-country skiing. I wasn't in love with cross-country skiing, but I just wanted to be the best at something. And I know he was quite an accomplished cross-country runner, at least like in the state of Colorado. In Colorado, yeah. Am I off target with that? Do you ever recall Noah saying something like that? We could give him Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I 100% recall off Because I don't see him like drilling down on like, I, I can see him wanting someone as an asset like like Zach on his team, but I don't see him like drilling down on ski flexes himself. No, no, no. Oh God. No, no, no. Not on the equipment side of things, not whatsoever, but on the training side of things. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. He'll dig baby. He'll dig right on down. Oh yeah, for sure. He'll nerd out hard on the training side of things, but I agree on the equipment side of things. No, absolutely not. He was happy to, to defer to the experts. So that's it. So really my segue is Yohog crushes today on every level. <laughs> now I'm oh, assuming yeah. she's in love with Nordic skiing and I know she can, she can cream a 10 K running. Oh yeah. In a parallel universe. Is she an Olympic distance runner? If she focuses on running? Yes. I mean, and I'll get smacked around by those that read Let's Run, which is one of my favorite websites, letsrun.com. But if you can break 32 minutes for a 10 K like well under 32 minutes for a 10 K on the track in a pair of hookahs, like <laughs> by yourself, completely by yourself training 25 hours a week where in the morning you crush two hours of double pulling. This is an insanely high level. And and the reality is, I think we talked about it the other day on the podcast is like VO two max isn't the only marker. It's by far not the only marker. And I know there's tons written about that that it's kind of can be kind of almost a poor marker but the reality of the fact is like Therese Johug is the highest VO2 max ever recorded in Norway for females and um you know I we don't have the we don't have the VO2 max values of every single distance or endurance athlete on earth but you got to think that Therese Johug would have one of the highest ever recorded VO2 maxes so in distance running she has like horrible technique and she trains like a skier um you know which is just like an intense amount so give her like a year or two of running training where she's focusing on her pace and then focusing on her running economy as well. Get her used to running in spikes, racing racing spikes, especially for any sort of track race. And I think she could be an international runner. Could she win medals in, on the track? No, I don't think so. Um, I, I would almost say absolutely not. Because like, remember, recall like the Olympics when Ayano broke the 10,000 meter world record by just destroying everybody. That was Yohug today in the 30K. You know what I mean? So the medal's probably not. But if she were to, in like in a parallel universe that, and it's a universe that I kind of dream about and I actually kind of ask her about it and so many people ask her about it, she's probably sick of it. But if after the Olympics next year, she were to retire from Nordic skiing and focus on running a marathon, I think she could make the world championship qualification standard or even the Olympic qualification standard. You know, I don't, I, I don't think it's unreasonable to think that Therese Yoha could run under, under 230 for a marathon if she focused on it. Because, you know, you just go through con- like conversion tables and, and, and I mean, I'm a super running dork, so I'll, I'll, I won't bore the, no, that's I won't, good. That's I why won't, I was, I won't bore the listeners with it too much, but, but, the fact of the matter is like i don't think people can truly understand like what it means to train like over 1100 hours a year and how counterintuitive and counterproductive that is if you're focusing on running fast you know it's it's a lot of load it's a lot of physiological load you're putting through your body and it's also means yeah like her upper body strength that sort of thing and the stability it, it, that she has especially like in her hips and in her Mostly like her, her ab and lower back region is just, yeah, you need to be strong to hold your form and, and have high hips and running as well. But but she's not a, not even close to the same level as cross-country skiing when you think about the forces that are going through um, going through that area of the body to hold it stable as you smash down on your poles in like an uneven surface below you. Uh, like skiing where the ski conditions, I mean, we can talk about the conditions today too. I mean, you know, cross-country skiing, the conditions are changing constantly under your feet. So no, I think I think she could most certainly be an international runner now at her age now the fact of the matter is if she wanted to focus on it anything shorter than a half marathon no we, I, she can't get down to 30 30 minutes and change um you know like 30 20 or 30 30 let's say for it for a ten thousand. i i think that's a bridge too far for a 32 year old um and really even that is that's that's internationally competitive no question even you know like maybe you could be top 12 at a championship with that like if you're in that sort of form. I know the championships don't go routinely that fast, 
but the girls that or the women that are top 10, let's say in the 10,000 at the Olympics or the world championships, all of them have PBs, you know, mid 30, let's say 30 mid. And, um, you know, so, so I don't think that, but in the marathon, I honestly think she could, yeah, I mean, she could get under 230 for the marathon, which would be quite the accomplishment and quite the two sport, uh, quite the two sport accomplishment if she were to do that. I mean, even qualifying for the Olympics, like the A standards, it, for making the Olympic Games in the marathon or any distance races, it, d- distance running competition is is a very very stiff standard. So um, she's definitely the one and only cross country skier I've came across that that can really do it. And I know I know there is a Czech athlete that did make the transition um, to that. And and I'm gonna have to Google her name because I mispronounce her names. Vakova, I always pronounce her name wrong. But she was a Czech athlete that was actually top five in the Olympics in Sochi. Uh, I think she was fifth in the 30K in Sochi and she made the transition to running and she's ran under 230 as well. So it's not like it's never been done. Yeah, so on a course today, you know, uh, it snowed. It was obviously a, like kind of a snow tempest yesterday. Snow oh, was a nightmare. In a good way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, they wake up to kind of partly cloudy, sunny skies today, fresh coating of snow. And, you know, Yohog wins wins this 30k by you know i'm looking at a bunch of different results but i want to make sure I'm the right column two minutes and 34 <laughs> yeah 234 <laughs> over heidi vang oh in my second, god frida carlson in third and eba anderson in fourth and it's worth mentioning because she was close uh teresa stadlober in fifth and in, in uh excuse me 246 so are you surprised by such a massive margin um, yes and no. I, I think, you know, I was expecting her to drop the field early and she did. And she did it about at around 4K, just before the 4K mark. So they'd been racing for about 10 minutes and she, she got the gap that never closed. And then she extended the gap phenomenally, <laughs> phenomenally from there. But like we've talked this whole championship. I mean, the course in Oberstdorf is so brutal and it is so difficult. And... Therese Johug is so much better than any other woman on earth, planet earth in cross country skiing that when you put that together and then it's classic, uh, which is her stronger technique. It's just the writing was on the wall. She was going to win this barring like a ski disaster. Um, that said, I think it could have been and would have been a lot more than two and a half minutes. Because if you look through the race, and I was watching it, I mean, if you look at the distance she was putting on the women at about halfway from like 15 to 20K, let's say, like it was just like people were bleeding time like crazy. And and really, I think like in watching it, I know this is kind of silly, but it's almost like Teresa just turned it off the last 10K and was just enjoying herself. I mean, she like she was skiing Spoke to a coach. Yeah, spe- speaking to a coach, point. she was singing by the end. I mean, of course, but that's okay because you're celebrating the last kilometer uh, of that thing. You know how big a gap you have. But the fact of the matter is it could have been four minutes today if Teresa pressed all the way to the end. Um, and, and I thought it was also fairly noticeable too, Jason. Like, nobody, no woman in distance skiing skis as beautiful as Teresa O'Hug, which I think is such a testament to her to her dedication and her, her, her study of the sport. Cause I keep referencing that 2007 30 K classic that she did in Sapporo while she was a junior, her last year, junior, she, she won a bronze medal at the senior world championships in, in Sapporo. And if you go back and you watch any of that tape, it's like the funniest thing you've ever seen. Like she couldn't ski. She was just running. It was like energy was going everywhere. It was horrible. Um, and really 14 years, it's a long time. Yeah, it is. But if you see how beautiful, especially in diagonal stride and double pulling, but in diagonal stride, and I, I love the filming today, you know, I love those, like we've talked oh, about that, so you good. know, yeah, those side by side cameras, that's what cross country skiing needs to be filmed in because you can really get an appreciation for the angles, you can really get an appreciation for, for how they're really keeping their weight under them. And, and like making those skis work. And, Teresa, it, it's just textbook, beautiful, classic ski. It's the absolutely gorgeous. And as good as Heidi Wang is, as good as Frida Carlson, Eba Anderson, everyone else in the field, especially in the top 10, as good as skiers as they are, and they are, they're, they're phenomenal athletes. There's just, there's no comparison. Teresa Yohag skis so much better than anybody else. And, you know, when you have, when you have the best capacity in the field, you have the best technique in the field, 
and and you're a generational skier. I mean, she leaves these world championships with four gold medals. And that's that's one thing. I mean, she passes after today's win. She passes Petter Nortug. She passes uh, Elena Valbe. This is impre- these are impressive stats. She's she's only behind. She, she's second only to to um, Mara Birgen at this point um, in, in just like Paul Mares in, in world championship gold medal gold medals. But the fact of the matter is there was no one that was going to contend. So I wasn't surprised. But it was it's an eternity. You know, like Kristen and I were talking about this a lot today watching the race like think about this like cross-country skiing is competitive for a winter sport like yes no it's not even close to as competitive as like soccer or or track and field of course not like don't not even in the same stratosphere but cross that's another podcast yeah. but i want to do about access yeah, exactly. right those are easier yeah, to access yeah, totally but but cross-country skiing is still a fairly competitive or it is a competitive winter sport and she outclassed the field this whole championship but especially today by a margin I've never I've never witnessed in my career, not even close of anybody, not Mar Birgen, not anyone. And I thought Mar Birgen's 30k win in Pyeongchang was just a complete outclassing as well. But compared to today, it, 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 this was just this was just this was just silly. But she's just that much better, and and I think you got to put it in historical context. In almost a hundred years of international cross country ski history. There's only been one that is as good or better than Teresa, and that's Mara Bjergen. And on a day like today, I'm not even sure. I think we might have witnessed the biggest outclassing performance we've ever seen. What do you think? You know, I was about to go into like running, kind of looking at those historic numbers. Um, but I was hoping that maybe, you know, Statsky or someone would beat me to it. And he may have, and I haven't checked it out yet. But it's a monumental, yeah, I mean, it's obviously, it could be the largest margin ever, and I hesitate to say that, but it could be for, you know, sort of a modern 30K in in the women's field. Oh, it is for sure. In a modern 30K, it is. Um, it is, no question. So, yeah, I mean, it was, but I was just sort of astounded when I started scrolling through, and you look at the time back, and it's just... Um, it's, oh, it's yeah, a it's a beat down. Down. I mean, I'm just going to throw out like 30th to round out that. 823 back. That actually doesn't sound so bad, you know? <laughs> no, it's bad. It's horrible. I don't know, but it's I'm horrible, like, Jason. It's gosh. an hour 25. That's getting like your, the shit kicked out of you. But the fact of the matter is we're witnessing, yeah, like I said, either the best female distance skier that ever lived or the second best only to Mark Birgit. Ah, she, you know what? I'll go on the record and say in distance skiing, Teresa is the best distance skier female that ever lived, um, you know? Mar Birgen is the best complete skier, but Mar Birgen would win sprints for years in a row without losing. So like, so, so that Mar Birgen's like the complete skier. I mean, and, and she, she, there's no, no one argues that Mar Birgen is the best cross country skier that's ever lived. So, you know, it would have been lovely to be able to see Yohog and Bjorgen in Pyeongchang. And obviously Yohog was serving a doping. She was doping, you know, serving, I think an 18 month doping penalty. So she missed a world champs, I believe. And and the Olympic games. And we're going to go back, not right now, but I want to go back because I pulled up the results from 2018 because I want to use them as a fre- reference point. And I've, I've got 2018 results pulled up right next to my today's results. Bjorgen won that by a minute 49. In a, yeah, a complete outclassing. Oh, a total beatdown. Okay. So before we get there, there are a couple of things I want to get your comments on. I... Watching Heidi Vang, who I know, you know, for her has had an off championships in an off year. She, watching her run again, we spoke about this a couple of episodes ago, but like she, she could have looked essentially. She looked like Claybo on that final hill, totally just cranking up. Awesome to see, and awesome for for me just to think about like right in front of my eyes how the sport is changing. Totally, right? and oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because it does. That's the thing. Heidi was running like Claybo. And did you see Ebba behind her? Yeah. Being the old school technique like me. This is like Kershaw in like 2014 or something. Like, you know, kind of shuffling her feet instead of like picking them up and really applying the power straight down. And they were distance. I mean, Frida Carlson is a great sprinter as well. That's people forget that, but Frida Carlson, is, like as a junior, was a really good. I think sprinter. Frida was running too. She was, but not right? at the same. Yeah, but they, no, no. Yes, Heidi Frida, had Frida, it nailed. Frida was running as well. Ebba was shuffling. Frida was running, but Frida didn't have doesn't have didn't have the angles dialed in like you're talking about. The Heidi had the the Claybo angles where you're getting your weight right under your feet, and and you see how much more efficient it is when you're dr- drilling to the line. And you know what really stands out is over the apex of these climbs. 
You know what I mean? Because they're yeah. kind of close. They're, they're, I mean, Heidi has a bit of a gap, but in that running style, she can just keep punching it over the climbs. And if you're trying to like pseudo diagonal, like Ebba was doing, like that was the kill shot. That's why Ebba wasn't in, in the running. Like it, it was, uh, it was just a less effective technique. And with those three, because there's a lot I want to talk about Heidi, but with those three, I thought it was a kind of, and f- actually I'm going to go four because Teresa Stadlober had a great race to be fifth. She really did. And, and that fall that we all saw on the fourth lap, where again, you know, I'm sorry to pick on her, but I'm pretty sure Frida caused that crash. Let's be honest. I've watched that crash like over and over, like Frida. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but anyway, Frida Carlson, Eb Anderson, and Heidi Wang go down on the fourth lap. And Stad Lomer gets like a gap of like 20 seconds pretty much instantly because they fell on a fairly fast downhill and they coming into like a flatter section of the course. And they, they catch back up to Teresa Stadlober. It, it, that's, you know, if that would happen on the last lap, then maybe Stadlober has a chance for a medal, but there was too much of the race left and 20 seconds. Isn't that long to, for, for a heavy hitting trio like that. So they come into the line, Ebba Anderson. I don't know if you're noticing this too. You know how much I'm impressed with Ebba Anderson as an athlete. She's fantastic. The one thing today that was on display though, is like her cornering you know, it was definitely not Jesse Diggins. I mean, she was not descending well uh, as far as like holding her lines through the corners. And in that final corner, you saw Frida. I, you know, it, Frida just had a way better, yeah, way, way, way better cornering. And not just that last sweeping left-hander that goes into the finishing shoot, but but also that kind of like sweeping right-hander too. You know, earlier in that final, final descent, uh, Frida had a much better line and Ebba was parked like she had nothing she couldn't even if she had a great finishing kick which she doesn't uh there there was just no way she was gonna be able to do anything with cornering that poorly against Frida who cornered way better so that was one thing two Heidi like you said awesome finish and Stadlober I I you know my heart kind of broke for her because you know so far these 30k these these 30k competitions are the longer distances 15 and 30k those are her best chances but but, um, you know, it was just too little too late and she was, she fell off the pace right, right at the end there. And fifth is by no means a disaster for the former world junior champion from Austria, but, uh, she had a great race and she was skiing well, especially climbing. She was climbing really well uh, and that's her strength, but it was a course that suited her and, and she falls just outside the podium. But Heidi Wang, like you said, really struggled mentally with COVID big time. She was freaked right out with COVID then in after the race, there's been a lot of information that even I didn't know. And she has a house here in Lillehammer. She splits her time between Oslo and Lillehammer. And uh, so I, I know Heidi f- like fairly well, or I, I have known Heidi fairly well in the past. Um, and that, you know, she, she, in her, in her post-race interview, I thought it was really interesting. There was a lot of stuff I didn't know. She struggled a lot with illness this training season that I knew that I'd heard about that she is getting colds quite often. Um, small injuries as well. Nothing like bad, like n- nothing like that keeps her out of training for months, but just these small nagging overuse injuries that were, that were affecting her. And then the big one that I'd never heard of, like hadn't heard whatsoever, um, is apparently she got, she got a, t- a tick bite that was shown to be positive for Lyme disease earlier this season. Yeah. And it knocked, it knocked her back and she really struggled with it uh, earlier this season. And I, I knew nothing about that. And, and I'm, you know, while I don't, I'm not in contact with Heidi. That's really hard to diagnose. Exactly. Very hard to diagnose. And, and I, you know, I, I, while I haven't, you know, I haven't, I don't run into Heidi super often unless I just run into her randomly these days. But, but, uh, I know a lot of people that are close to Heidi or friend, really good friends of Heidi just because of the age of Heidi and, uh, my sister-in-law, Kristen's sister is kind of rolls in that circle. And, you know, it's just, uh, you know, that, that, that was something that she kept close to her chest or something. Cause that was, that was a shock. And, and, Having had some friends that have been had struggled with Lyme disease and in Canada, which is anyway, I won't get all into the the details with that, but it's really, really hard not just to diagnose, but get the get the treatment fast enough. And uh, it's a really 
tough, it's a really tough bacterial infection to, to tackle and for a world-class athlete to, to have that. And, and admittedly, she said she really struggled with that. And then to come back here and come second at the world championships. Yeah. She was 234 back off. Like we said, the best distance gear that ever lived, but it's still a fantastic result. And, and what a way to end her championship. She looks so good in the relay. We talked about that a couple of days ago, how good she looked in her relay and to follow that up with a silver medal. Congratulations to Heidi. So that was a wonderful way to finish. Okay, so uh, before I jump over and run through the list uh, for 2018, because I, I want to chat about some Americans here, but let's let's Sadie Bjornsson, Sadie Mobe Bjornsson, her final international race. Um, she comes in 15th, looked great, looked strong, and you know from listening to her post race interview, I mean, sounded you know pleased with the day. Yeah, I mean, I thought she was right where she needed to be to be to be into the top 10. To be cracking into the top 10, she was right where she needed to be for 80% of that race. And, you know, she 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 fell off a little bit by the end, um, losing that, that time to get up into the top 10, right, right in the tailing, closing parts of that race. But, but of course, 15th is nothing to sneer at. And we talked about how great a career Sadie's had and how integral a part she's been for the U.S. team. Uh, and and just, just to drill into the stats here, like Sadie, this is America, right? Like the USA. I know we have Keegan Randall, and I know there's Jesse Diggins that are living legends, really, for cross country skiing uh, in in the U.S. But Sadie retires with seven World Cup individual podiums, in addition to five team World Cup podiums, plus her plus her bronze medal from the 2017 team sprint in the World Championships in Lati. So think about that. She has seven individual podiums on the World Cup. 12 overall on the World Cup because of a lot of great 4x5K relays and also and also a couple team sprints in there. And these this is like, this is a great, great career just on the results list for, by an American skier. And she was so much more than a results too. She was such an integral part. And I thought it's been kind of fun and sad, even though I'm not American, like I said. <laughs> but I guess I just reminisce about like our time together, uh, the Canadians and Americans, and Sadie has just always been a part of it. And, you know, there's been some really nice notes written by Jesse and, and Sophie and Matt and everybody in the U.S. contingent. And, uh, you know, I, I know I know some people kind of think that like, oh, yeah, of course, everyone just writes nice things when people retire. But I can I can rest assured, like with Sadie, um, she was a special athlete and a really special person. She'll be sorely missed on that team, not just not just for her results but um as a as an integral part of this um this successful the successful run that the american women have had now for a decade great we talked about it last time just a kind genuine person yeah um, absolutely so yeah. it's going to be a big hole to fill and, and you know what like I, I i am like as a ski fan especially a huge fan of the american women um i am you know that it's going to be a tall order next year for for the for the olympics for the four by five k relay without sadie uh that 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 that's for sure but for right now instead of jumping ahead to that we'll just take a moment to celebrate a wonderful person's career and she'll have she has a great future ahead of ahead of her as you know we've talked about that in the last podcast but um you know she's she decided this is the time to say goodbye and um you know that's uh not the worst way to end it with uh with a solid relay, fourth place in the relay and in the four by five and then and fifteenth in a grueling thirty K. Uh it shows it shows a great level. Okay, Catherine Stewart Jones for Canada. Um gosh, going through my results, I think she's the second top North American, you know, yeah. behind yeah, behind uh Sadie. So she comes in twenty third today and I'm I'm sure she was gunning for like, you know, top twenty maybe yeah she was but, but great day now top 20 was definitely a super great day and you know what i loved about ksj's race today her guts her guts man she was skiing in that sadie bjornson group right from the start and hanging on and then she drifted to the back of the sadie bjornson group and then early and i'm like oh god like this is this is a sketchy place to be and then she she really hung tough she really, really hung tough and she fought and she struggled for that. She really did. And I am wildly impressed with the effort that KSJ threw down today. I know she wanted top 20. I know she was dreaming of top 15. She was really dreaming of where, where Sadie finished. And if you continue to race like she raced today, 
it will come because that is that is how you actually get better she was not defensive at all and she was skiing like she belonged because she does belong and sure she faded a little bit but 23rd is a great race and again much like Sandrine Brown who also had a solid day in 27th for the Canadians Haley Swerble just beating her Haley Swerble is 26 which is also a solid day for for a grueling 30 but but for Sandrine if we're talking about the Canadians Sandrine and, and Catherine have been top 30 in most races they've started and and this is a really good boon for the program and they have a they have a bright future you know what i mean like ksj is born in 95 she's young you know sandrine is also young i mean sandrine's born in 93 so she's by no means old you know in her 28th year she's not old but Catherine's born in 95 so she's in her 26th year on the on the planet there's there's a lot of great years left if you look at the breakthrough that rosie brandon had as a 32 year old you know that's that's a that's still six years away for Catherine. And if you're gonna race like she raced today, with your heart on your sleeve and really gunning for it, that's how you get better. And I'm I'm wildly impressed. So it was uh, it was a it was a fantastic day. I thought for Catherine, the way she skied was what really moved me. And, and just off, I haven't. This is something I usually drill down into after the season, or probably like April. But presumably they'll be fully carded. You know, fully funded athletes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, for Brilliant. sure. Yes, absolutely. I mean, S- Sandrine and Catherine. Uh, you know, th- there was a lot of noise, and uh, there's been a. You know, like we we got to say we got to just say what it is. I mean, in Canada, it's the the system is is in need of a change, and of course, and it's uh, I I believe that it can change for the better. But uh, they were caught up in a tough, difficult situation last year that we talked touched upon. I think it was like maybe six weeks ago about having to having to appeal and that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and Emily Nishikawa has been in that before too. And she's been our best female skier in the distance side of things for a number of years. And she got caught up having to appeal her way onto a team after being the best distance skier in the country, which is just doesn't make any sort of sense. So, so, uh, but this, the, both Sandrine and Catherine Stewart Jones have had a fantastic season and they've really lifted their game. And that will be, that will be something they will not have to worry about this coming season no question but you know there there's some questionable not questionable there's tough decisions that are made and 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 uh you know we have i i i put canada like we have a culture in canada that's maybe like what the u.s was like in the early 2000s or mid 2000s it's like there's just not a lot of buy-in to the the national team program like to the to the national team really there's like a lot of animosity between yeah a lot of infighting and that sort of thing and and hopefully we can get that sorted out and uh move move on from that because like we're just we're too far behind well, i like the coaching the results i mean i like the coaching to, you know I, I again i don't know all the politics yeah. i like Braten. i feel like seems like oh straight yeah no, shooter i'm really and, impressed yeah yeah Totally. Well, most Norwegians are to a T, but but uh, Eric Broughton's done a really great job. He's done a fantastic job with the team. And a huge shout out to Joel, Joel Jakes, who was my wax technician, actually, for a, for a fairly significant part of my career and has been a wax technician for the Canadian team for a long time that in a, a really uh, rugged time for the team got thrown into the high performance like director role when there was no high performance director and he was wearing all these hats. He's done a great job. He's really focused on trying to change the culture in Canada. And I really believe he will accomplish that. Finally, he's got some support, you know, Kate Boyd, there's a new high performance director in in Canada now that's taken over. She's got, uh, she's going to have a lot on her plate and it's, yeah, it's, but it's a tough role. You know what you're signing up for and it's not going to be easy. So, but Joel Jakes has just done a phenomenal job. So having Joel and Eric Broughton together, I mean, they've, I think it's hard for people to understand just how much work those two guys and how much stress <laughs> those two guys have been under for the last since since Broughton came on because you know when Broughton came on you know there was supposed to be a high performance director he was supposed to be like kind of an assistant coach and then everything exploded and next thing you know he's like what I'm the head coach and this is coming from being a club coach you know, you're a young Norwegian guy that moves to Canada that has coached a club. I know it's a Norwegian club, but it's still a club. You can't compare clubs. You can't compare club skiing to running a national team program. I'm sorry. You're not prepared for it. And he really had to, he got thrown in the deep end. And, uh, and you know what? He's in some ways, he's lucky that Joel at the exact same time also got thrown in the deep end and uh, they could learn to swim together. And I thought, I think they've done, I think they've done a great job together. So a huge shout out. Huge shout out to those two guys for for keeping uh, keeping their head above water and and allowing the program to 
to um, get a little better. And and you know what? I, if they stay on there, I think uh, we can see some good changes in the coming years for sure. Okay, so here's here's one of the reasons that I brought up uh, the 2018 Olympic you know results. One is from a historical perspective, and I remember. You know, I was sort of on fumes myself, but I remember standing <laughs> trailside and watching. I still have it on my phone. I took just, you know, it's like, this is Mara Bjorgens, I think her last race and she was going to retire after. And so I took this um, little video of her skiing out of the, the stadium in Pyeongchang. And it's kind of this long, I don't know if you recall it, but it's kind oh, of that too much not super yeah but not super killer steep but like a long grinding hill to get up onto that upper plateau yeah do i have that right yeah oh yeah and it was just like watching her she was doing a completely different sport than some of the women that came up um after her and from a technique yeah. standpoint i want to go through the, the the maybe top 10 here mart bjorgen wins it krista parmakowski second she's roughly a minute 50 back so then stina nielsen okay sprint killer yeah. she comes bronze medal in the 30k classic no longer in the sport so impressive yep. so impressive um, ingvild osberg she comes in fourth she is taking a year off charlotte kala fifth drops out today okay yeah care to we can maybe and i want to mention some of these narratives care to niskanen she's injured she's out seventh jesse diggins 30k classic mass start in the olympics in the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she had a great day. Had a great day. Chooses not to race today. And I was a bit surprised. Okay. And that's why I wanted to bring this up. I mean, I haven't seen some official statement. You know, she and Rosie Brennan are not racing. And there's one more weekend of racing left on the World Cup this year. It's in a modified schedule. There's a 10K. Uh, I should pull it up, but it's a 10K and then a 30K. Yeah. And then a 30K skate. Okay, in 10K Classic. So, you know, the argument can be given that she's preserving herself for the final weekend, okay? And yeah, 2018 is not that far long ago. No. Seventh place in the Olympics. No, yes, because, because like I said, Jesse Diggins is legend, the best female skier in the U.S. history. Yeah, so it's, yeah. I'm just curious, like, you were a little surprised by that. So wh why? I was super surprised. Well, I think I think it's a tale of two. We're we're gonna, we're gonna do. It's gonna be a t a tailor. Uh, sorry, a tale of two. Because uh, you, you mentioned two athletes, two American athletes, and one I was not surprised sat, and one I was surprised they sat. Um, let's start with Rosie. I, I I was not surprised Rosie sat because and hear me out. Rosie Rosie's a bit on fumes at at the tail end of these championships. There's no question, and it, it shows. It shows in how she's skiing. Um, 30k skate can be a great competition for her all, all in, in the Engadine all those competitions can be great for her she's shown that she can really deliver at altitude too she's had some great races throughout her career at altitude and Engadine is right at that limit baby right at that 1800 meters limit um, and just for the folks at home that were a little surprised with Rosie sitting Rosie Brennan right now is sitting third in the overall world cup which is a amazing accomplishment problem being she has 879 points. Stupak has 904 points in second. So she's close to coming second in the overall World Cup. But Ebba Anderson, who is in amazing shape, is close behind. She's only 18 points back in 861 points in fourth. Sorina, who has shown some great form this year, was out with an injury, but has come back pretty strong at these world championships she's fifth and she's not so far back i mean she is she, sorry she's she's 99 points back but say serena's on the podium and gets some of those intermediate bonus points and rosie's out of the top 30 because she did the 30k classic to come 17th you know like th this stuff matters and and for rosie to sit out absolutely totally understandable these championships she's like i said didn't go the way she wanted she's a little on fumes and now she's got to be she's now she's got to be smart and save her energy for the big fight also in the distance rankings she's fourth in the distance rankings she's tied with stupak and the distance rankings and she's not far from ebba anderson who's second in the distance rankings rankings you know she's she's under 50 points she's 46 points back from ebba anderson in the distance rankings as well so Rosie sitting the 30K classic in Oberstdorf, not at all surprising. Diggins, on the other hand, 
sitting the 30k okay surprise yeah let's parse this out here's my point here's my reason here's my reasoning she's won the overall world cup it's done like no one's up by like 250 (laughs) points or something like that oh more than that 350 350 350. points 352 points 352 points it's over it's done she's won the overall world cup so start getting the champagne on ice america this is a hell of an accomplishment also she's number one in the distance list um which is fantastic but she also has like a fairly sizable lead in the distance globe too you know she has 62 points lead in the distance cup rankings which is significant very significant also diggins has shown that she's a better athlete at altitude with no preparation than eb anderson is Eva Anderson, look no further than seeing how she did in Val Mustaire with coming in with no preparation for altitude. Diggins is also not prepared for altitude. No one's prepared for altitude now because they're going right from here to high altitude. Um, but that said, historically, Diggins has had fantastic races at altitude as well. Maybe not quite as noticeable as Rosie, who has really had some great, great races at altitude before. But she has a huge lead. And also, too, if you win the overall World Cup, yeah, it's nice to get that little globe too, the distance globe. But who like she's she first of all she's not gonna lose she's not gonna lose the distance globe one two who really cares you won the you know like you won the tour de ski and you won the overall world cup this is phenomenal and you were fourth in the 10k skate at the world championships and also honestly maybe on how the race played out but before the race started i really would have thought that like a medal wasn't out of the question for diggins in a 30k classic but then when the race played out you know what <laughs> the how it worked that that trio of of Heidi, Frida, and Ebba probably were a step above Diggins yeah, was, where no, she is now. No, that's okay. That's being I honest. was wondering. So, so so the best so the so the best she could be. Yeah, and the best she could be really, perhaps. And it's this is just such Monday morning quarterback bullshit. Like, but the fact of the matter is, Anna Shearsty, who had the best race of her whole career, the Norwegian, uh, who's not on the national team by the way, comes sixth. Uh, 330 back but but I, th- I feel like Diggins probably would have been in that group you know most likely the Anna Shearsty, Tira Wang, Krista Parmakowski, Serena group but um, that said that said you know with the World Cup wrapped up and a world championship a 30k classic like you said seventh at the Olympics and also she's she's really come a long way in her classic skiing uh, and there's just like the, the the world ending the world cup there's just not much on the line like there's nothing really on the line for diggins honestly um because she's gonna win those globes no matter what a bad day for diggins in a 30k skate is like eighth you know what i mean like like diggins is, you're not gonna see jesse diggins finish like 20 37th and get zero points in the 30k skate it's not gonna happen you know so i was a little surprised but at, at, at the end of the day Nope. Um, Diggins doesn't just want to leave it to chance that distance globe, even though I really don't feel like it's to chance because she's so much better than, than, uh, I, I just can't see it being possible to lose over 60 points. But, but, uh, that said, she wants two globes and good honor. She's had a great season. Like we've talked about the whole time. Uh, there's a tri- there's a treble here in, in, in skiing. It's the tour de ski. It's the overall world cup and it's the championship medal or gold world championship or olympic gold in the same season and she got two out of three so you know it's um yeah there's what can you say you gotta tip your hat and and it was you know for a fan it was sad to see diggins not on the line but uh i also can't fault somebody for wanting to save a bit of energy to to really close it out with style next weekend you know just to kind of take it maybe a little bit more about jesse and and kind of directly to us You know, we've gotten some emails that were like, you know, we were too soft on Diggins in terms of critiquing tech, uh, tactical strategy in that, uh, in the relay. And yeah, do we want to revisit that at all for a minute? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. We can revisit it. I probably was a little, uh, I probably was a little soft because I have just so much respect for Jesse. I know Jesse super well. And honestly, I, I, I still stand by what I, I think I said, and if I didn't say it, I'll say it now, is like in that moment, getting the tag with a Parmakowski that has been the Parmakowski of this year, Jesse knows that it's a 5K skate. You know, Jesse probably thought or most certainly thought I can beat her by ripping the legs off her from the exchange or I could beat her in the sprint. 
And, you know, she, in the end of the day, the, the critique would have been, and hindsight's twenty twenty. I mean, I have so many races in my, in my repertoire, you know, one that comes to mind that was the stupidest decision I ever made. And it was kind of like the decision <laughs> Diggins is making now for the overall world cup. I remember in home and colon in 2012, I think I picked up, I, I picked up so many bonus points because I was so worried that I would lose my like second place in the overall world cup and second place in the distance standings that year on the overall world cup that i was just going bananas for all these like intermediate preems in that race taking all these intermediate preems doing all these short sprints to just secure all these extra points which were completely not important i had a big enough gap i just didn't have the confidence to believe in it and come around i end up 10th in the home and colon but my arms cramped one kilometer from the line and I ended up like six seconds from winning or something or 10 seconds within 10 seconds of winning. And I had probably that is one of the best races I've ever done. And one of the stupidest things tactically I've ever done because like, what the hell am I doing trying to get all these ridiculous points when I'm in wicked shape, 50 K classics, one of my best races, I have a chance to medal in a historic race. And instead I'm worried about second in the overall world cup and second in the distance cup standings when that was, that was done. It was a done deal. I just need it. You know what I needed? I needed your in there with the stats, with the stats before that race and be like, dude, you're, you're, you're going to be second. It's over. I needed some, I needed the statistical skier to like smack me around. But, but, you know, I was making, you know, stupid, stupid tactical decisions and Diggins, the right thing to do is what she did right from the tag, drill it. And after a couple K, I'm sure she would admit it the same too. She could go back and redo it. She would have taken a little look behind and seen that she was there, that Parmakowski was there, and then said, like, you know what? We're not making any ground on Nepreva. They're It's way gone. They're not going to come back to silver. And now I'm just going to pull a Nortug and sit behind her and just drop her like a bad habit up that last hill and into the finish and save all my energy and let Germany come back and let these other teams, like Victoria Carl is not going to factor into Diggins at all in the last hill of the sprint course. Let whatever teams come back together and, and then really... Do everything you can to win that historic bronze medal, and you know what? I'm sure, I'm sure you, if you had a quiet moment with Jesse, she'd probably admit that as well. But you know what? We make the decisions we make, and and she probably thought, no matter what, I'll be able to beat Parmakowski. It just happened that that, that was the one race out of ten um, that Parmakowski got the better of her at the end there. So that's just how it is. But uh, if I'm if it sounds like I was quote unquote soft on Diggins, is like I've just been in that position that Diggins has been in before so many times. I think I, and, I was included on being t in too soft well, as well. Just so you don't so, feel. And, like. and and also I've, I just have so much I have so much respect for Jesse. I, I really don't second guess any of the choices she makes. Like I mean she's yeah like I said she's the best female skier that ever lived in the U.S. and she's gotten there for a reason. No one digs and goes as deep as Jesse ever. Um, so you can pretty much guarantee no matter what her tactics are, she leaves everything out in the course. Like I've said before, it's like, I've seen Terezi Ohug like that or, and Diggins and that's it. Um, so, you know, I, I just have no real reason to second guess a lot of her decisions, but I'm sure if you've got Jesse Diggins, uh, over, a, over a cappuccino in a quiet, um, Swiss, uh, coffee bar, which are all closed because of COVID-19. But if you did, I'm sure she would say like, oh, you know what? If I could do that over again, that's probably what I do. But you know what? There is no take backs, but she has more opportunities for the next however many years she wants to compete at the highest level. So she'll she'll have many more opportunities. Okay, just in closing, you know, there are a couple notes I wanted to hit because I'm, I'm going through some things I've written down. Frida Carlson did go to the hospital afterwards for some x-rays in her hand slash wrist area. Wrist, yeah. Yeah, things look good. Yeah, things look good. She didn't have any breaks, but she had uh, quite a contusion. She, she was quite a big bruise that actually swelled up significantly at the finish line. And she was screaming to holy hell at the finish line in pain. Um, and not surprising when you see that crash and they show that crash here in Norway so many times on repeat. Like they went down pretty hard and they were going pretty fast. So impressive that uh, Frida was able to secure a bronze medal with a, yeah, like a, a bad enough bruise that her wrist swelled up at the end of that race, like significantly. So yeah, it's, maybe it sounds a bit dramatic to take a, like a wait for an ambulance to take you to hospital, blah, blah, blah. But again, like we are in a pandemic and, and you just, you know, you're, you, it's better to be safe than story when you're a big star like that. But um, no, no bone break as of now for Frida Carlson, which is great news. One other thing I want to touch on. I'm glad you brought that up, but Ashida. 11th oh yeah dude oh yeah right. dude because you know she's what? in her 41st year 
on this yeah. planet. And yep. there's like pictures of her. Like there's a big picture in uh, Kristen's parents' house actually of Kristen and Ishida racing way back in the days. Like I think 2007 in Sapporo. Oh, cool. And and she's still going. She's ageless, dude. Like she's absolutely ageless. A- in 11th place. In 11th place. Rita Lisa Ropenin and right. two uh, women. She's 41 or 42. Yeah, exactly. She's 43, dude. Oh, so yeah, man. Yeah. So so. But uh, I will say that uh, Ishida being 11th as a 41-year-old, that is a real passion for cross-country skiing. And I thought it was a great race by her. She's, she's, she's a great classic skier. Um, she has always been a much better classic skier. When I say great classic skier, I mean she's a fast classic skier. Um, her technique is not a great classic skier. <laughs> uh, sorry to say. Um, she just isn't, but uh, technically speaking. But... Um, but she, what a, what an amazing result for a seasoned veteran. I thought that was, I thought that was worth noting too. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. And I forgot to bring it up when I pulled up the 2018 results. She came in 10th in Pyeongchang. And when I look at the, you know, she's one of maybe got a rough estimate, half, half the top 10 and no longer is in it. Um, yeah, no, for sure. And she's yeah. done, she's done Loppets too. She's had great results also in the world Loppets, which is something the last thing I know this podcast is getting a little long for, for just one race, but Tomorrow is the Vassalopit, which is the Olympic Games of the the marathon circuit. It, it's the biggest. It's the biggest ski marathon in the world. Most prestigious, longest running. It's um, it's a huge deal. And I probably just said it's the longest running, and I haven't checked out on that. Maybe Birkin is longer running. Who cares? Whatever. It's it's the most prestigious. But Bir- yeah, Birkin's canceled. Yeah, this year, Birkin's right? canceled because of um because of COVID. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, the Vassalopit holds the highest prestige. And there's a name that is on the start list, and we will talk about this tomorrow. Mart Bjergen. Oh, sweet! Yes, okay. it's not just training; it's not just doing the Vasilopa for fun. She did a comeback here in May and is putting all in to win the Vasilopa after two years away from the sport. So this will be really not exciting. I'm not going to sit and watch 90k of of double polling through this like a bunch of swamps in Sweden. I don't care enough for that, but I will watch the last 10, 20 K and I am really excited to see how Bjergen did. I was, t- uh, t- as I was saying to Kristen that, uh, you know, in May they did some workouts together and, and, uh, Teresa and Martin and Kristen's like, Oh, how's it going with Martin? And Teresa's like, ah, she's a far cry from where she was a couple of years ago. It's not looking that good. And uh, then again, they did some training again in the fall in October. And Teresa's like, holy shit. I can't believe, I can't believe how much better Marit is. Like she's fit now. And when Teresa Johag says Mara Bjergen's fit, that means it's going to be pretty fun to follow along. Although it is her first race of the season and it's her first time ever racing 90 kilometers. You know, the longest races the women do in the World Cup level is 30 is so so that'll be kind of fun yeah that uh, so that's something i'm looking forward to to seeing too so we'll see if she can get uh like what like these got these these ladies have bottomless motivation like teresa just keeps winning gold medals you see her celebration at the end she was like yeah like she was yeah, like almost like surprised up. like fired right up it's like teresa what <laughs> like, i thought this would have been like super subdued like almost like i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm just so much better than any other female on planet earth in cross-country skiing i'm sorry but no no she was like it was almost like like a real primal roar like she was fired up and then so there's a bottomless pit of, of motivation there and then also mar Bjergen, like the most accomplished skier of all time goes after a couple of years feels like a bit bored and says like well i never did win the vassalopit <laughs> maybe i'll try and train for double pulling through yeah so she's doing that tomorrow and that which is going to be really fun to follow along all right have a good saturday evening in lillehammer thanks jason thanks i have one more thing because i did say her name rabkova the marathon because they're coming back to Teresa yohag in the marathon saying that she could go under 230 of course she could go well under 230 but just to touch on uh, vrabkova this is the czech runner skier yeah yeah the czech runner skier she was fifth eva vrabkova and she got married so it's now Eva Vrabkova Nivtova. We can get corrected on that. But anyways, she she was she was fifth. She was fifth in the in the Sochi, like I said, fifth in the in the 30k skate in Sochi, and then she switched to running. And she actually is a national record holder in the Czech Republic. And in Berlin, 2018, she ran a 2:26:31 for the marathon. 
So it Berlin's any, like a speedy yeah, course, right? Yeah, that's where the that's where the world records are. are okay, it's it's Berlin, London. Um, these the Chicago, Chicago back in the days right. was got a lot of world records, but now it's Berlin, really. That's the that's where the world records go down. But the fact of the matter is two twenty six thirty one for for Vrabkova, Milvtova. And Terezi Johag, we all know how much better a uh, skier uh, Terezi Johag is than Vrabkova. And you also know how incredible her track times are for running in like big hookah shoes by herself, heel striking. So if a couple years of training... Is it hookah? Yeah, hookah, or ho- hoka, hoka, hookah, whatever. Every time I hear you say it, I think of like... It's hookah, probably. I know, a hookah, like in... in a hookah. Like, yeah, yeah, like, like they're in, in, a, in, a, like they're in a little hookah sweet. den. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Exactly. No, but uh, maybe it's Hoka, but regardless, uh, Terezio Hug could, I would put money that Terezio Hug, as as great, I mean, national record holder in the Czech Republic, there's nothing against that. But uh, with two years of running training in the marathon, Terezio Hug could go faster than 226, I would imagine. Okay, plant that seed the next time she delivers. Oh, everyone, oh, but every, but everybody's planting that seed with Teresa, so I don't need to do that with her. But uh, it's something she's thought about. You know, she's definitely thinking about that after her ski career. But you know, she also wants a family, and it's you know, it's a the life of a professional athlete. It, you know, it's it's a great life for sure it, in in a lot of ways, but it's also a brutal life, and and you know, and and. Um, you know, uh, yeah, like I, I thought I would, I, I'd actually personally thought I'd try and run under two thirty for the marathon. Like after I was done skiing, and I mean, I just have no competitive drive to do any race whatsoever. Like I'm just done. I love working out. I love training, or not training. I don't call it training. I love doing some garbage hours and going ski touring every chance I can, and going climbing if I can get that in, and that sort of stuff. But uh, lacing up and and like. I couldn't run a 2.30 marathon off the couch. I'd have to actually train for it. And it's like, ugh, no thanks. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Um, All right. a good one. That's that. Yeah, well, uh, one last one, one. last one, 50K. Thanks for listening to the episode in our World Championship coverage.